Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the All of You Whole podcast. We are going to be spending a lot of time together here, so I just want to pull back the curtain and tell you a lot more about me. Not because I'm really important or I matter a lot, but because sometimes when I personally am listening to a podcast, I think... Okay, sure, I've gotten a story here, a story there, but I wish that I knew so much more about this person's story. How did she get this worldview? What informs her values, her passions, and her choices? And so that is why I just want to go back to the very beginning here and share my life story. So in today's podcast, I'm sharing it all. I'm really just spilling the tea here. (laughs) And some of the things that you'll hear today are answers to your questions from Instagram. So thank you so much for asking those and listen out to see if I answered yours. So let's go all the way back to 1989. (laughs) I was born September 2nd of 1989. I grew up just south of Nashville, Tennessee in a town called Brentwood. And no, not like OJ Simpson. Personality-wise, which I know is really clear and you'll be able to tell really quickly, I am an Enneagram 7 wing 8. So I am all about fun, fun, fun. I am an ENFJ on the Myers-Briggs. I am a Virgo, though I honestly still don't really know what that means. <laughs> and in the disc assessment, I am an ID, which ironically is called the influencer. And I hold that trait with what they call extreme intensity. I have a absolutely wonderful family. I have a mom and a dad and a sister who is three and a half years older than I am. And I just grew up in this loving Christian home. And I like to say that I became a Christian in the womb. My parents went to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night my entire life. And even before I was born, I was going to church twice a week. So for me, there wasn't this specific moment that I remember asking Jesus into my heart, as we call it. But for as long as I can remember, he has been there. And my faith has always been such an important part of my life. I was shaped so significantly by the small groups or D groups that I was in, the relationships I made, the mentors I had, and the really fun church camps that I attended. And I used to hear testimonies of people who had these tumultuous lives and they just turned them around to live for Jesus. And there's something about that type of story that's so alluring to me. But I don't have that story. My testimony is pretty bland in terms of testimonies. But I am so thankful that God has been a part of my journey and leading me and guiding me really my entire life. I think one of the things that impacted my childhood the most was that the area that I grew up in was very homogenous in almost every way. 
According to bestplaces.net, 65.2% of people in Brentwood are religious, and that's currently. And all but less than 1% of those claim Christian faiths. Most people are white there. And here are some data according to worldpopulationreview.com, which gets its data from the U.S. Census. Brentwood is currently 88% white, and that was even higher when I was growing up there in the 90s. 44% of people have a bachelor's degree and 32% have a graduate degree. 90% of people speak English only, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. (laughs) The average household income in Brentwood is $219,628 with a poverty rate of just 2.51%. It's also consistently ranked as the 10th wealthiest county in the United States. So all of that to say, most people were exactly like I was and we called it the Brentwood bubble. But to be totally honest, I didn't know just how much of a bubble it was until I left. And that's because it's kind of like being in a snow globe. (laughs) Just go with me here for a minute. You can't fully appreciate how different your lived experience is until somehow you bash out of the snow globe and you're living life on the other side, right? Weird analogy, but that's kind of how my life was. I was living in this bubble with people exactly like me in every way. And when you live in an environment where everyone's exactly like you, then you think that that is the world. Like what represents my world represents the whole world. And that's totally not true. And I found that out. Growing up in the South also affected my views of health and wellness. So if you've been to the South, you know that food is absolutely delicious. There's a lot of fried food, casseroles with cream of whatever you can find, sweets, you name it, we've got it. And if you look at the CDC maps on adult obesity prevalence, Tennessee, along with most of the rest of the South, has the highest rates of obesity in the country. The Midwest and the South as regions tie for the highest rates of adult obesity at 34.1%. And I'll share the link to that map and data in the show notes if you're curious where your state falls. So when I was little, I had stomach aches all the time. I remember every single night after dinner having a stomach ache and I would bring it up over and over and over, but there was nothing to do about it or so we thought. So I really just stopped mentioning it altogether. It seems absolutely crazy now, but my parents really didn't know what could be causing my stomach ache, nor that food could be a cause. Like this wasn't even really a discussion that we ever had because back in the 90s, people did not talk about food intolerances. You either had a true allergy like the kids, my sister included, who had a peanut allergy and had to sit at the peanut free table. So you either had a true allergy like that or you just ate anything and everything. There wasn't really any nuance and anything in between. So no one was gluten-free or dairy-free back then. And I remember my fourth grade year was especially bad with my digestive issues. And my stomach aches got so bad that I ended up just missing a lot of school. I was just really sick all the time, not only with stomach aches, but I also got strep throat all the time and some other things. And my mom even took me to specialists who had no idea what was causing my stomach aches, nor did they even suggest that foods could be the culprit, which just 
honestly blows my mind now. And I think this really deeply, like on a soul level, impacted me. And I know that there are so many more extreme health issues out there. Honestly, I had some tummy aches. It wasn't that huge of a deal. But growing up my entire life, I felt like I had this major health issue that I kind of had to keep to myself because there wasn't really a solution. And it just felt unsolvable and out of my control. Moving on to the rest of my childhood, I went to a public elementary school and a private Christian school that was from 6th to 12th grade, and some of my favorite childhood memories were made on our houseboat of all places. So my dad has always been a boater. We grew up jumping the 20 feet off the top of the houseboat into the water before we could even talk. Like seriously, baby Caroline, baby Kristen, my sister, in diapers just jumping off the house boat into the water. It was so, so fun. And nearly every weekend of the summers, we invited friends out to the lake. We swam, we played, we jet skied, we skied. We did everything we could until there just wasn't even enough light anymore. And then we came in and had dinner. And super fun because it was a houseboat. We could sleep on it. And on one of our houseboats, my bedroom, if you can call it that, was actually under the floor of the kitchen. So I had mere inches above my nose until the quote unquote ceiling above my head. It was just so much fun. My strengths and weaknesses have always been really clear, even as a child. So terrible. Let's start there. I was terrible at sports. I tried basketball at the YMCA and never even made a basket that I can remember. (laughs) I liked soccer and I still do, but by the time that I actually wanted to play it, everyone else was so good, had been playing for so long that it wasn't even fun to try to catch up. I did dance as a kid and that's something I really loved and I danced all the way up through middle school. And in eighth grade, I realized that I probably needed to adopt a physical activity that I could do the rest of my life, which I think is pretty mature for an eighth grader. All my friends were runners and they had been doing cross country and track since sixth grade. So on this whim, I decided I'm going to quit dance. I'm not going to dance in high school. I'm going to join the cross country team. So Our cross-country teams were so good, state champions good, and I knew that I was supposed to be running over the summer before I started my freshman year, but I thought that running 100 meters on a track was a lot. To me, that was like, it's all in a day's work, right? And so I had absolutely zero perspective of what running was or how long I should be running. And every summer, our cross-country team has this week-long training camp. It is such a blast. So I walked up to the bus to go to camp, join my friends, and I just remember being so proud of how much I ran that summer. I really, I really tried my best. I really did it. So when our coach, Coach Cheeseman, just asked me how much I ran, I proudly told her I ran eight whole miles. <laughs> she could tell that I was just beyond proud of myself. So she pats me on the back, congratulates me. So later, we decorated, the seniors always decorated these really cute bricks for each person who ran a bunch of miles over the summer. And these seniors were getting like 300 miles. They ran 300 miles in a single summer. And here I am over here being like, I ran eight. 
So I had a lot of training to do that summer. I was never great at cross country, but it was just an experience that I would never ever trade. I learned to love physical activity and how it made me feel. And it was definitely the most challenging thing I had ever done in my life. And by my senior year, I got my act together and I actually ran over 200 miles in a summer, which is really fun. I was a swimmer too. I was actually the captain of our swim team, a co-captain my senior year. So I just am not very coordinated with anything with a ball. So no soccer, no basketball, (laughs) no softball. Swimming and cross country worked for me. So thankfully I was gifted in the arts and I got to be a part of lots of plays and musicals and even our school's acapella group called the Academy Singers. Think pitch perfect and it's not really far from that. We actually had the opportunity to go to a recording studio down in Franklin every year and record an entire album and that is where my love for singing really blossomed. I've loved it my whole life. And quick fun fact, since some of you guys asked about this on Instagram, I actually have an album that I released my junior year of college. You can Google Caroline Edelman and you can still find some of it on YouTube somewhere. So there was definitely a period of my life where I thought that singing would be my career. So I decided to go to the University of Georgia mostly because I got a scholarship and I found out very quickly that college is not cheap. And the year that I went to college, Georgia's football team was preseason ranked number one and then it also was ranked as the number one party school in the entire nation. So I felt like I made a good choice here. And to say that going to such a huge school with more kids in college than were in my entire town popped the Brentwood bubble for me is a complete complete understatement. I got to interact with so many people who were so drastically different than I was, and it took a couple weeks before I could even understand the kids from South Georgia. I learned after being asked more than once that there is, in fact, a Nashville, Georgia, but it is a lot smaller than Nashville, Tennessee. And I've always been a gal with many passions, so I just had the hardest time choosing a major. I couldn't decide if I should go into science and nutrition or graphic design, and I ended up choosing and loving graphic design. After four years at the University of Georgia, I got a BFA degree in graphic design from the Lamar Dodd School of Art, and also an ABJ degree from the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communications to appease my parents that yes, I actually would be able to get a job out of college and I would be able to sustain myself. My college experience was so, so fun. I absolutely adored the University of Georgia and Athens is so fun. It's such a special place, and if you've never been, please take me with you. (laughs) I was in a sorority, Zeta Tau Alpha, which was totally new to me because my mom and my sister both didn't go that route, and I didn't think I would either, honestly, but being out of state, I just needed this way to meet as many people as possible really quickly, and going through recruitment was definitely a way to meet a lot of people. I also got involved in a campus ministry called Wesley, which was just so amazing. Amazing. I got to lead worship for them and got to be a part of the prayer ministry. And I just really grew in my faith during that time. And school took a lot out of me. It was college that made me realize maybe I'm a bit of an overachiever. Like I mentioned, I got two majors and a minor in Spanish. And because of AP credits, I technically came in as a sophomore. But it still took me four whole years to finish because I was taking 18 to 20 hour semesters at 
that at times that I could finish. And I am not a spreadsheet gal because I'm a graphic designer by trade, but in order to keep my schedule sane, there was just so much going on. I had a color-coded spreadsheet for each semester, what I needed to take for each major, color-coded so that I could finish on time. And additionally, art classes just aren't like other classes. So when you take a studio art class, that's a three-hour class, you actually go in twice, like Tuesday, Thursday for three hours at a time and not just one three-hour lecture class like normal. So I was just in the classroom or the studio like 30 hours a week every semester. The best part of college for sure by far were the amazing friends that I made. Y'all, I am such a fan of friends. I love friends. And I just still have so many dear friends from college, high school, middle school, elementary school, some even literally from the womb. Like our parents were friends before we were even born. I met Chaz, a dear friend, my now husband, the summer after my freshman year in Nashville of all places. And that is another story for another time. It's so fun. And I'm actually trying to convince him to get on the podcast. So you guys cheer him on, advocate and see if we can get him. But we reconnected and we started started dating the fall of my sophomore year, which was his senior year. We made the most of his time in Athens that year, and after he graduated, we were long-distance dating for two years while he was in Augusta, Georgia, the place where the Masters is played, if you're familiar with golf at all. And he was starting medical school there at the Medical College of Georgia. And it was the summer after my sophomore year that we both separately decided to be vegetarian. I decided to be because I studied abroad in Cortona, Italy with UGA's art program that summer. And I had never been a huge pork fan and Italians just eat a lot of pork. So think pepperoni, salami, prosciutto, pancetta, like everything, everything's pork. So I chose to sit at the vegetarian table and what did we have to talk about but being vegetarian, right? So we talked about being vegetarian all the time. And one of the teachers who was there at our table was also vegetarian. His name was Marco. And he gave me an advanced copy of this book, Eating Animals by Jonathan Saffron Foer. And he got an advanced copy because Marco was a writer for a paper in Rome. So what did it do? It opened my eyes to the truth of factory farming in America. I was devastated. I was horrified. I watched every documentary on Netflix. I'm just figuring everything out. And I was just really sold. And we'll talk more about that transition at another time. But Chaz, on the other hand, was working at a Young Life camp called Sharp Top Cove in Jasper, Georgia all summer. He was the AM cook and he was cooking hundreds of pounds of meat at one time. So it's enough to make anyone want to go meat free. (laughs) So separately, we came to this conclusion, which made it a lot easier when we were together. And then after I was done with college, we got married and Chaz had the opportunity to finish his second two years of med school, the years where you do the rotations part in a new campus in Savannah, Georgia. And I was so thrilled about this choice because there just wasn't a whole lot of creative jobs back where he was in Augusta, Georgia. So 2012 was a huge year for us. I had my graphic design exit show May 10th. I graduated from college May 11th. I got married June 16th and we both moved to Savannah, Georgia. I got my first and only big girl job at a web design and development firm. 
And I was pregnant six weeks after we got married. Yes, <laughs> six weeks. And yeah, we actually do know how these things work. I will have to take an entire episode later to share Ella's birth story, but let's fast forward. She was born just seven months after that. She was born 10 weeks early. So her neonatologist just busted my plan of going back to work full time and told us that sending her to daycare when she was still technically supposed to be inside my body was just entirely too risky, given that it was the tail end of flu in our season. So I decided to work from home. At this time, I launched a custom wedding invitations business and I started to pick up some freelance graphic design work to make ends meet because I was a creative. So fun to be a creative and the only income for your household. So we had a pretty intense whirlwind my first year and tons and tons of transitions. And my mom sent me an article during that time of life's biggest stressors. And we had lived literally almost all of them and all at once. And she said, well, maybe it's less total stress if you just rip off the Band-Aid and do all of them at once. So Maybe so. We absolutely love Savannah, and it was the most precious place to just start our marriage and our family. And uh, then we had one year in Augusta, Georgia. So back to Augusta, Chaz went for Chaz's first year of residency. And by this point, Ella was eating solids, and that just got me thinking more about nutrition again. And I feel like becoming a parent makes you question every choice you've ever made. Sure, we have been vegetarian for five years, but we were questioning is this also the best choice for our precious little girl who was tiny because she was so premature so nutrition was really really important to us so I had been kind of staying up to date on the latest nutrition science but I just did a really deep dive when we started feeding Ella solids I kept seeing this paleo diet over and over and what I was reading just clicked it made so much sense to me It felt like God created animals to eat specific things. We're animals. Why wouldn't we eat specific things as well? So in the summer of 2014, when Ella was just one year old, I read the book, It Starts With Food, from Melissa Hartwig of Whole30 on a beach trip with my family in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I read that original green and maroon version way before the rebrand. I devoured it, gave it to Chaz to read. He devoured it. Then my whole family read it. It was just insane. So Chaz and I decided that when we got back, we would do a Whole30. Keep in mind here that we were still near vegan at this point. So we went from near vegan to uh, Whole30, a paleo diet completely overnight. This is not a transition that I would recommend. It was a lot, especially because I hadn't eaten meat in so long that it just really grossed me out. So I definitely was not eating enough that first Whole30, but somehow we did it. (laughs) We stuck it out for 30 days. It changed our lives. I lost weight. My acne went away. I wasn't bloated or having stomach aches for the first time in my entire life. It was such a big deal. We just had so much energy and couldn't believe how good we felt. One thing that we were lacking was recipes. So just a month after we finished our Whole30, I started my blog, All of You Whole, And there were definitely OG paleo bloggers out there and authors back then, but not really that many. Definitely not as many as there are now. And so I put up a website because that's how I knew what to do. And I just started creating recipes. And I had been in the kitchen creating recipes, playing chef since before I could read and write. And so it felt so natural to me and it just really made sense. And even though I loved what I was doing, it never even occurred to me or was in my wildest dreams that that 
I would be doing this with my entire life. So I got pregnant with Owen and Augusta and I did about half of my prenatal care there and then moved to Atlanta, did the other half there. And I was considered high risk because Ella was born so early. Again, I'll share Owen's birth story at another time, but we moved to Atlanta and we got to spend three lovely years there. And going back was so fun because we were just so close to Chaz's family. Chaz's mom was right in Atlanta. My family was in Nashville just four hours away. We left Atlanta and moved to Denver when Ella was five and Owen was just two and a half. And we got to move here because of Chaz's fellowship in regenerative medicine, a fellowship which is after residency because medical training just never, ever stops. <laughs> and before we moved to Colorado, everyone told us that it was so different, but we just really didn't know what that meant. And they're totally right. Colorado is just such an adventure heavy space. People ask you, are you biking? Are you skiing? Are you hiking? Are you, you know, what are you doing this weekend, right? Like you've got to be doing something amazing. We've got the Rockies right here, right? Also, people in Colorado are just so dog friendly. In the South, a grandma at a grocery store is going to pick up your baby and be like, your baby's so cute. Here, that is how they treat dogs. <laughs> so Chaz and I both consider ourselves Southerners. So it's just so crazy to us that we have these two little Coloradan babies. And Owen doesn't even remember our time in Atlanta, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit. So about three years into running my blog, All of You Whole, I realized that my income from my blog was more than my income from freelance graphic design. And that was the moment that I decided to take this thing full time. And once that happened, I made a goal to write a cookbook when Owen was in kindergarten, knowing I'd have more time actually wrote it while he was in preschool, which is so fun, and it came out December 21st of 2021. In February of 2020, I was thinking about how I could take the next step in helping my community get delicious, nutritious meals on the table faster, so I created my own meal planning method and called it Prep Cook Freeze. We created an app, and every two weeks, we added another week's worth of meals that you would prep, you would cook, freeze half, and you had two weeks of meals to eat. I loved the concept, but the app was so much to handle. So when Page Street reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in writing a cookbook? I was like, absolutely yes. Do I have the best idea for you? So we got to take our idea and turn it into a cookbook. And that brings us to where we are now. I am so thrilled to be on this journey with you, doing this podcast, expanding my content, not just food and nutrition, but also just living a life of intentionality and making conscious choices in every area of your life. So I hope that today has given you a little insight into me, who I am, how I tick, how I run, and I can't wait to get to know you more as we continue this journey together. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I would love it if you would leave a five-star review, tell everybody what you think. And really the way that this show grows is if you share it with your friends. So if you could just take a minute, text this episode to three of your friends, I would greatly appreciate it. I will see you next week.